0: But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy, because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts on com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. I think I'm Elliot Harris, so I think that makes you... David Spada? Not a whole lot of people would make that claim. No, no one wants to be me. They want to be you. Beautiful women you get to talk to every day. Well, and then we counterbalance that by coming in the studio and talking with you. It's like a Disney movie, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> well, close to it. Anyway, we have a great show, but I'm prejudiced. Your opinion? Dexter Manley. I know we talked to him about five years ago when he had the show on IND, but today we really, or the interview we did, we really got into it with Dexter about his whole career from start to finish, and I never saw a guy with that much energy from start to finish in an interview. Well, he didn't waste a whole lot of time reading, so that maybe that's where the energy came from. Former Oklahoma State star, former Washington Redskins standout, Dexter Manley.
1: Well, I'm doing good today. I, I tell you, I drew the line in the sand, and life couldn't be any better. I'm a director, marketing of a company here in Washington. We got we have 1,800 employees, and it just couldn't get any better. You know, my grandmother been praying for me, and her prayers were answered, and so I'm so thankful that God answered her prayers and turned my life around.
0: How did a guy from Houston, Texas end up at Oklahoma
1: State? <laughs> what? <laughs> you I'm going to <laughs> be very candid with you, okay? When I came out of college, first of all, I'm going to give you a little history. I'm going to give you a history. I'll give you a little history. I was a senior in high school, had another All American named Eric Heron. He was a great receiver. Great. I mean, he could. He wouldn't drop a ball, but but now all of. I mean, he had every school in the country wanted Eric, and all, I'm telling you something, man. In the, in, in my high school, it's predominantly black, and when you look up there in the scouts, there'd be a predominantly lot of Caucasian guys writing stuff down, and I think because of Eric Heron, he brought all those people to that school. Well, lo and behold, they they saw a number fifty-eight out there. Now I tell you why I wore number fifty-eight. I wore fifty-eight because of Jack Lambert. I, I, I idolized Jack Lambert when I was coming up in in high school and that kind of thing. And so I wanted to wear number fifty-eight. So I wore fifty-eight in high school, and uh, we had off we had a defensive coordinator of James Warner. James Warner, I played basketball. I'm a uh, so I played football, but and when we go on the road, James Warner would. Um, I went back up, the I played ba- football, then I switched over to basketball. But this is where he impacted my life, James up. James up took me to, uh we, we go on, a, on these, uh, uh, I had a couple of brain surgery. so you have to sort of forget, i got to get my thoughts together. James Warnsup would take me around, uh, we would play on the outskirts of uh, Houston, in Austin, Texas somewhere. He'd rob me around the prison system. Because uh, he felt like that uh, I was sort of hard-headed and, and I was could be vulnerable and it could go the other way. Well, I'll never forget one time we rode around one of the state prisons in Huntsville, Texas, in Houston, outside of Houston, Texas. And these guys was on horses and these guys was in the field chopping and doing something. i never forget that. And I, You know, it's sort of the putting on the straight narrow. And, and uh, um, uh... And i got on the, I was always on the street now because I had mother and a father that who was inspiration in my life and uh, went to church and, and I never got in trouble but but James Warren just felt like i was i was vulnerable I couldn't go that way and so um, uh, uh, James, uh when we go around these prison systems, I was petrified when I saw those guys in the fields with all that white uniform they was in the in the fields chopping and stuff like that. And they really, it really impacted my life. That scared me more than anything else. And so uh, playing football and, and all of a sudden, he was our defensive coordinator. And he loved Dexter Manley. He loved Dexter Manley. And, and I want to tell you something. When he see all these scouts, uh, in the high school, there wasn't no rules for uh, uh, college coming out there watching players. You know, like now they got rules that these high school, these college yeah, he got he got all these uh, these college scouts, college, college coaches coming out on the football field. They line up from from the uh, I say from the end zone to probably about to the twenty. They just watching these white guys writing paper. He said that's is your time. And I was start you know, listen. They could never block me in high school. Never block me in high school. And all of a sudden, uh, I turn it up. I turn it up. But most of us there to watch Eric herron. Then they see me, then they come watch my game, and Jane Warner just cut me loose. You know, because I came from the ghetto, and that was my way out. That was my only vehicle to get out. I had so many abrupt people like Curtis Dockery. They pushed Curtis Dockery out on I-45 and killed him. Pushed him out of the car. Uh, I could go on a uh, uh, Clifford, I can't think his name. Uh, Dennis Nichols. Dennis Nichols was another guy who played on the side of me in high school. Dennis Nichols was a high school all-American who drank twenty twenty one day and went out on the street, got drunk, and got hit and got killed. All these kind of stuff was inspirational to me and left an impact in my life. Was, okay. uh, was, was
0: Oklahoma State? The only college that was really recruiting you, or was there other colleges?
1: No, no, sir. No, sir. I had 37 scholarship offers. 37. Even Rice University, I was functionally illiterate. I couldn't read or write. Rice University came over and talked to me. But I wasn't going to Rice University. But I'm going to get to this, sir. I'm going to get to this. You just be patient and let me tell my story. Go ahead. Yep. Okay. And so, uh, and, and so, so all of a sudden, uh, uh, here come, uh, uh, Wayne McDuffie, Wayne McDuffie's offensive coordinator for Oklahoma State University, he came to recruit me. Because when I know all these coaches, when college coaches was come now, uh, Todd Osborne, uh, uh, what's the guy, Barry Switzler, uh, 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 I can go on and on. Uh, 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 okay, and so uh, Dwayne McDuffie came to recruit me from Oklahoma State. So then Wayne McDuffie bought Jim Stanley, which is the head coach. And after all that season, my, my seniors, the season was over, they had a big breakfast in Houston, Texas for all, the, all district, all state, all that kind of stuff, and had a big breakfast uh, in Houston somewhere. And you know who he bought? He bought Bum Phillips. Okay. Bum Phillips was the head coach of the Houston Oilers. Right. And Jim Stanley, Bum Phillips, played at Texas A&M for Paul Bear Bryant. And man, I tell you something, uh, it just really impacted my life when when the, uh, because I'd never heard any powerful affirmation. Bum Phillips came over to me and said, Dexter Manley, you like you can play in the National Football League now. And I want to tell you something. uh, 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 My mother and father didn't talk like that. They didn't give positive affirmation. You know, it was always whooping my ass because I was doing something wrong. And so it caught me off guard, and, and all of a sudden, I was inspired, and I just felt such a... he came come the NFL, and my daddy loved the uh, football. He loved the Dallas Cowboys. He loved... He liked the Houston Oilers. He didn't love the Houston He loved the Dallas Cowboys. He liked the Houston Oilers. Then Bum Phillips and he met Bum Phillips at that big breakfast, and, and uh, I was eating like a hog. <laughs> Golly, I'll never forget that. I was eating like a hog at that breakfast, and just ate, 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 and, uh, and so... <laughs> <laughs> my father was so embarrassed that I was eating like that. But you know what? He and I had a such a, I'm going now. We had a rocket relationship. You know, but 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 uh, I changed his life and he changed my life because uh, uh, we got along when he met Bob Phillips at that breakfast that that day, that morning. He said, my son, in his mind, he didn't tell me that, but he said something to himself that he lightened up on me. She had another brother, Gregory, who was the oldest brother, who kept going in and out of prison, for stealing bicycles and stealing a no, car. No, still in a car. He wasn't nobody. He's still in a car. And so my oldest, my father, was, he was rough on myself and my other brother. And so when the Bum Phillips came and he was at that breakfast, he wasn't as hard on me anymore. Because then he saw all these And I, I want to just tell you that I live in all black communities And when these white guys get out these limousines And get out these cars And come to my gun check house on Page Street 29, 10 and a half page in Houston, Texas uh, My dad would just light up He would light up He was so proud of me then Because uh, most of those guys in my neighborhood Was on drugs and stealing and getting shot but I wasn't one of those guys to run with those guys in that community because I knew that uh, if other people can do something, I could do it. I'm not going to tell you that story. But, but all of a sudden, here come all, from one school after another one. was co- getting out of the car. Yes, Ron Myers and a whole bunch of those alumni came in. Jerry Levice was in the car with them. And they all come out of the car. They unfolded, man, and all these black people in my community would just come and look. They wonder what's going on. And all of a sudden, man, these guys got briefcase coming in my home. They knew I played football, but it was such inspiration to somebody else. You know, that really, that really sort of like uh, 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 this was more of an inspiration because these guys in my neighborhood was on drugs and they were stealing and, and not necessarily robbing. They were going to uh, uh, boys' homes and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, uh, from that point on, I made a decision. I made a decision that I want to go to Oklahoma State. I want to go to Oklahoma State. And I went to Oklahoma State because of uh, Wayne McDuffie, Jim Stanley, more importantly, Bum Phillips. Now here's a here's an NFL coach come telling the high school kid this here, this kind of stuff. He just pat me on the back and, and, and put his hand on my shoulder. Uh, man, i never had that before. But How
0: did you end up being able to survive four years of college being illiterate?
1: Well, see, you have to believe that there's a power greater than you and I. There's a power greater than you and I, and that power I call God. Because I was a kid that from Houston, Texas, from the ghetto, and I had some spiritual principles. He just touched me he touched my way of being I was polite respectable and when I went oh, Jim Stanley came in uh, he saw this here he saw this in Dexter Manley so he sort of put a shield behind me and because I had a Dale Rock, who was athletic uh, athletic athletic, uh, uh, athletic uh, advisor uh, to the athletic program uh, uh, when I got to Oklahoma State uh I don't want to, I'm not bashing Oklahoma State because it gave me another way. You know, it gave me another vehicle. And I went to Oklahoma State, man, I was taking born era classes, uh, uh, playing basketball, bowling, and and then I started getting a a, a tutor. You know, but I still couldn't read and write. When I graduated from high school, I was in Oklahoma. I was in Oklahoma, and I took the SAT on campus. But I had a lot of shame because I looked at a lot of my shoelaces for a lot of years with my head down. But I was it was such a dichotomy because, you know, people pat you on the back when you're playing football, and then when you get out here in society, you you can't even read a menu. You know, you can't even you you know you just can't you don't really function. You just sort of mimicking what somebody else is saying and doing. And when I left that. Well, I left taking that SAT test from Oklahoma State. Only thing I was able to put on there is my address and my name. uh, It's shameful, But, but it's a God thing because I didn't want to go back to my neighborhood. I'll tell you about some other guys who left Oklahoma State today. Some of them are dead, my freshman class. And so when I left Oklahoma State and took that SAT test, out of that, I just had so much shame. I kept looking at my shoelace and was like, how can I be in college and I can only put my name on SAT? And Jim Stanley, man, he was such a great guy. He was our head coach. He was a great guy, and he loved Dexter Manley because I was an all-out guy. I was a hustler. I played good football, and he saw uh, he saw the kindness in me. And so uh, uh, it, I don't think I can just say that it was one for Jim Stanley and that athletic program in Bell Rock. Who knows where I'd be? A lot of guys I grew up with. Some of them are dead today, and some of them in prison now. Now, and so uh, I didn't do well on the SAT test. So my father died on June, June nineteenth, nineteen seventy-seven. When I left and went to Oklahoma State, I left. We graduated from high school like in May, May the eighth or something. And by that time, May the tenth, I was at Oklahoma. And so my father died, and, and on June the nineteenth, my father had colon cancer. My father worked for Tenneco Oil Company, and my mother was a nurse's aide for Methodist Hospital. And so, uh, 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 by that time, my father died, and I came back. And now it's time, almost for uh, what do you call it, training camp, uh, mini camp. It was like July or something, and, and man, I just really, uh, I was so inspired and 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 uh, and I went on that football field and we had drills to do. I was sensational. I had a lot of, I had motivated because of my father, you know. Uh, you know, I lost my father, a guy who who was ahead of my life, who disciplined me and who I was. Who I was fearful of and, and so um, uh, uh, and, and Jim Stanley uh, he just sort of always protected me and, and just showed me a lot of care and concern. How difficult an adjustment was it going from Houston to Stillwater Oklahoma? Well, well I tell you I'm glad you asked me that question because when I went from the Houston third ward uh, that was no, uh, there were no gunshots. That was no people running around. You're familiar with Batman doing wheelies on two wheels and, and uh, having wrecks. Mm-hmm. It was quiet. It was quiet and peaceful. Peaceful, and uh, I like that sort of uh, environment. I like that environment. I was peaceful. Uh, I wasn't as um, aggressive. You no, know, because in the, in the hood. You got to be aware. To be aware. To be alive. Uh. Uh, and, and so I, I, I want to tell you another story. I, I got to get to this. I just got to get to it. Uh, uh, that was a guy who was much older than me, and and he wanted to be a Black Panther or something. Uh, no, a Muslim. Muslim. Sorry. This is Curtis Docker oldest brother. And the Curtis Doctor Brothers used to try to come get all the young guys and talk about being a Muslim and doing the right thing and all this kind of stuff. And and uh, 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 I think when I was getting ready to go off to high school and all this stuff really impacted my life. Every last one of people who everybody say, you got to read the paper uh, whatever Curtis Doctor brother's name was. He had he was a, a cab driver, but some he picked up a nurse, a nurse. A registered nurse somewhere in the medical center took off and raped her and and all that kind of stuff, and and, uh, 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 I was devastated with that. I was devastated with that. This guy was doing a life sentence in prison, and and, uh, he died in prison. He died in prison. You know, and and so um, uh, the adjustment was when I went to Oklahoma State, man, it was quiet and peaceful you know, uh, in Houston, I didn't feel no wind blowing. It was just chaos. Chaos. And I was so thankful to God that that my grandmother was praying for me. She answered my prayers. She answered his prayers. And uh, he answered her prayers. And so uh, uh, it, it was just real peaceful. It was a holy place. You know, it was quiet. And, you know, I learned to adjust and I learned to adjust around around my surroundings. And uh, life wasn't so bad when I got to Oklahoma State. It wasn't bad at all. It was not bad at all. I just thank God today that uh, I survived the storm.
0: When you got drafted by the Redskins, did you know they were going to draft you?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked me that question, too. I'm so glad you asked me that question. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know. But I want to tell you. I was in Tampa, Florida with the uh, uh, Combines from Oklahoma State. You know, I was from Oklahoma State. You know, normally not everybody go to Indianapolis. You know, they had it where it's like four or five different uh, Combines all over the country. And uh, I went to uh, Tampa, Florida uh, sometime in in January, uh, 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 I don't know what, what, Blex what organization that was and, and he I come here meet Bobby Bobby Bessert. Bobby Bessert. Bobby Bessert came and took me, he, he picked me up and I went to sit in his room, Bobby Bessard and Dick uh uh what's uh can't think of that guy uh 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 golly, can't think of Dick Red or something. He was with the Redskins for a long time, but he got a higher position with Seattle. He went to Seattle. I thought he probably left like in '82 or something, '83. Uh, uh, anyway, he went off to Seattle. Those two guys met me in Tampa, Florida. Uh, met me in Tampa, Florida, and they took me in a room. I, you know, sit me down and want to do a test, and uh, that was, that, I don't know. They gave me some paper to work out and or uh, do something with this. I can't. I, I remember vividly, but. Uh, I don't know what it was, but, but Bobby Better really liked Dexter Manley. He liked Dexter Manley. And so, uh, but Bobby Better assured me this. He said, I want to draft you. I want you to take Court Baker's spot. Oh, Court Baker was the right defensive end for the Washington Redskins. Yeah, He was like 38 years old. He and I was good. young. Pardon me? He was good, too well, well, he was old, but but uh, 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 he, he, uh, I get to that too. Uh, and Bobby Bethard told me in Tampa, Florida, I was coming out of Oklahoma State at the combines. He said, "Man, I want to draft you." Yep, and so he took me in office and 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 in this room, and, and we stand at some hotel or something in Tampa. And anyway, so they picked me up, and, and, and uh, we sit and talked, and and. Um, he was with the Redskins, and so that we sit and talk and did some, I guess, for our like questionnaire. You know, he give you a questionnaire, and and, and uh, I did the best I could on it. And Bobby Betsy had a heart-to-heart with me and told me he wanted to draft me. He wanted me to take Cort Baker's spot. That's what he told me. And so, so finally, that's all we had. Uh, uh, from Friday, to Saturday, to Sunday, I go back home, and now it's draft time. It's draft day. De- uh, uh, now, it's in Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's, the draft was around like, uh, I want to say January, February. April. It was early days, like in, in April, am I right? First, like April somewhere in April something. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, man, I'm sitting at home, and all of a sudden, I had all. I was always rated at the top defense. At top, I was always the top five. You know how they rate these guys? And I was a top five guy coming out of Oklahoma State at defensive end. I don't care whoever they was, uh, I was top five top five, and so uh, that was my rating, rather, and so draft day, is draft day in Stillwater, Oklahoma, it's New York City, but Stillwater, and so uh, I kept getting, everybody say I was going to go like second round, or what, you know, I wasn't projected to be a first round, because uh, I don't really want to talk about it, but, but c- people questioned my character, because Oklahoma State went on probation, and I was implicated in it, okay, you know, it's like, the first day I know what there with us, it's like, I'm sitting around the house. I'm sitting in my apartment. I'm sitting. I'm sitting in my apartment. I'm waiting all day. I'm thinking I'm gonna get drafted the first day. I never shared this with a soul in my life. And so, uh, first day went by. No, no, no call. No call. You know, draft was the next day. Next day, you know, it's like that's like six, seven o'clock, and still, draft's over with. <laughs> Golly, you make me bring back a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions. And so, uh, and still water. <laughs> so the next day, you know, I couldn't hardly sleep. Because, hey, it, it, you know, like, 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 let me tell you something. Because if you don't make it out of Oklahoma State and get it to the next level, that's a guy like Ed Smith, who's our running back at Oklahoma State. Ed Smith lost his mind today. He walks in Houston, Texas, pushing a wine cart and basket around town. He's homeless. Willie Taylor, a running back, came out with me in my class. He was doing twenty-some years in the prison system. I go on and on and on, and so now here I am. Uh, I just know I, I, you know, I just know I got to help the next level. Because I've been in Oklahoma State uh, still functioning illiterate, but, but I'm a nice guy. i surrounded myself with the church, with a church guy going to church and all this kind of stuff. But I had a bad reputation because Oklahoma State went on probation and people was questioning my character. And so now it's the second day of the draft. I'm sort of, uh, I got so much intrepidation that I don't know what to do. And so uh, I want to tell you something. man. sure as I'm a black man standing in my bedroom this morning, this day uh, uh, I was very fearful. And my, you know, all of a sudden I didn't even forgot forgot the guy's name. Who in Tampa, so man, I just went in, I, and so I got on my knees because I, I was got I was going to church in Stillwater, and I said a prayer. Whoever well, that guy was in Tampa. I wish he called me. As soon as I got up, the phone ring. It was Bobby Bethel and Joe Gibbs. Soon as I got off my knees, it was Bobby Bethel and Joe Gibbs, and said, "We just drafted you." Uh, uh, they told me they drafted me. Uh, I was just so grateful to get picked up that day. I couldn't believe it, and so I, I, I got drafted. I, they picked me up that day. And they drafted me that day, and uh, I came here to minicamp. camp. I, I came, <laughs> I came to minicamp camp here. And you know how these guys they go bench. They tell me what they bench press. See, I, I bench press two and a quarter, forty eight times, forty eight times, and I ran a four five flat. I was two forty eight. I was two forty eight. I ran a four five flat. And I, I bench press. Uh, it's this, this is when we got to still we got here at, at uh, Redskins Training Camp. We had to do that stuff all over again. You see what I'm saying? At minicamp. camp. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so I ran like a four, five, eight. I ran. I ran like a four, five, and uh, I, I, I put it on the bench press and and everything. <laughs> I'm, I get real kind of fired up. Everything is history. So that's what happened and, and uh, uh and lo and behold i never forget and never forget man when 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 the season start uh, uh what you call training camp start uh I was relentless, I started eight games as a rookie, eight games I led the teams in sacks, my rookie season I was a rookie, and I want to tell you something. My greatest showing as, as a, a, a rookie in, in a rookie camp, we was playing in the Memorial Stadium. Memorial Stadium. I'll never forget this as long as I live. We was playing the Baltimore Colts. Burt Jones. Burt Jones. Burt Jones came to the game, and man, man, <laughs> golly, I probably made the club right there. I beat that offensive tackle. He ran like a, a rollout dash. I went and walked him down and clubbed him. Boom. He was laid out. He, I stretched him out right in front of Joe Gibbs on that sideline. He was knocked out. And do you know the whole offensive lineman started wanting to fight me and they jumped on me and stuff? I never forget that stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm a rookie trying to make this ball club, and, and uh, I was just hungry, man. I was hungry. I, I did that. I played on special teams. Now, man, I'll tell you something. Uh, they put. I was a big guy at the wide out. They couldn't even block me. I'll never forget that night in Memorial Stadium. I was one of the first guys that put out that punt coverage, and I ran all over those guys, and the guy trying to catch the ball, I already tackled him, and uh, I was sensational. And so um, that's part of my story, you know, how I made this ball club with the Washington Redskins, and I it, it couldn't have a better guy like Joe Gibbs to be uh, my head coach. Because he understood, see, in my rookie season, I didn't know no plays. But it's a God thing again. You have to understand what I'm saying. You don't go in no NFL training camp and not know plays. You just don't do that. But that was a man that who was at the hem, who was God-fearing, who believed in a high power, who was a kind guy, who, show, who showed care and concern, who was a great leader, And had compassion for people that was Joe Gibbs and and, and, uh, uh, Joe Gibbs knew I was struggling with with learning the plays and this kind of stuff and I made the ball club but but along with making the ball club we had to go out before practice at least 20 minutes before practice and after practice we did walkthroughs when you do stuff redundantly you saw I picked it up I picked it up I can walk in the huddle and get. I know the call right away. I know what I'm. I know my assignment. What I'm supposed to do. That's But before that, I couldn't get that. I just couldn't get it. I just didn't didn't get it. And so we do stuff over and over and over and over and over. And finally, I got it. And it was a God thing. I keep using that phrase, because if I went to some other team, they would say, "We can't have you." You don't know the place if you don't know the place how you gonna stay here does that make sense definitely yeah yeah and so so joe Gibbs, said, Well minute we, we got to get out to practice before practice and after practice and walk, through, walk through walk through walk through walk through your assignment let's do it and so hey <laughs> i did it and lo and lo- lo- behold i picked up all the place
0: that's part one of our interview with dexter manley after this brief break we will be back with part two. You're tuned in to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.